What up, me This your boy, Al Mega. Welcome to the AMP, the Al Mega Podcast. And today we have a wonderful guest. I know I normally reserve these type of guests for the Comic Crusaders Podcast, but no, we need to share this type of awesomeness on the AMP. I mean, because the person we're about to meet is a competitive martial artist, a cosplayer, a nurse turned fantasy author. And you know, and you're about to meet her right now, the one, uh, Leonie Daniel Orsino. Welcome to the amp. How you doing? Woo! Looking like a queen. Hey! <laughs> I had to bring it for you. I had to bring it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. You look amazing. And thank you for coming on to the amp. I appreciate you, man. Let me tell you, folks, you, you're in store for an amazing story. I read about this amazing young lady and her story. Wow out there, you know, you know, inspired by doing good. I mean, what else can the world ask for? So really being a princess as she has she shown herself to be here, amazing. Let's talk about this journey. So before we get into anything about the story, let's go a little bit into your origin. Tell us a bit about yourself, where you're originally from and, and, and growing up a bit in, in your area. Uh, I was born in White Plains, New York, and then I moved to Carmel, New York, which is about 45 minutes north of White Plains. But I'm a New Yorker, uh, born and raised, just moved down to Charlotte, North Carolina a little while ago. So I'm getting used to the South. But uh, as you can hear from the accent, as my friends all tell me I have an accent. They didn't think I did. Uh, I I'm from New York. <laughs> so, you know, uh, Giants fan, bleed blue. So, Ooh. you know, we start with that. But uh, yes, I grew up in a little town called Carmel, New York. Uh, some will call it the sticks, and they're not wrong. But I started there, longtime Wonder Woman fan, and comics were my life. And, really? You know, just wanted to kind of... When did you get into comics? Talk about that. How did you discover comics? Who brought that into your life, or was it self-discovery? Self-discovery. Uh, you know, watching Batman and Robin, Adam West, Burt Ward, uh, okay. Yvonne Craig as Batgirl. And then that turned into the Green Hornet. And then I discovered Bruce Lee, who just blew my mind because I went from Robin always being captured and being the sidekick to Bruce Lee driving the car and doing Bruce all the Lee fighting. saving the main guy. <laughs> yes, that was what kind of blew me away was, you know, you see Robin and then Bruce Lee comes on and you're like, oh, this changes the paradigm. There's another dynamic to being the sidekick. <laughs> yeah, he drives the car. He doesn't have any gadgets. He doesn't need them. He, he's fighting. And I was like, what's what's going on here? And then Linda Carter showed up and mm. blew my mind because I was like, whoa, who's this chick? You stop everything. Like the world stopped because to me, <laughs> she was the best combination of Bruce Lee and Yvonne Craig. Because oh, I'm like, yeah. wait a minute, she don't she don't need Batman. She is Batman. She doesn't need a car. She's got a jet. Um, and she doesn't Invisible. need saving. <laughs> she saves them. Uh, I need to be her. I was like, what, what is happening here? So that just totally blew my mind, changed everything. And I was like, I want to be her. And then I discovered comic books. And I'm like, oh, there's more of them. Okay. And that just opened everything up for me. And I began that journey and kind so, of never stopped. Okay, Jumped down the rabbit hole. One more geek question here. So where did you discover comic books? Was it on a shelf in a supermarket that you happened to find a comic book shop? Was it at somebody's house that you said, ooh, what's this? No, I saw them in like, they were in the supermarket. They were attainable. Well, so I was little and they were always down. 
they were never on a high shelf, you know. So of course, they're trying to sell to you, girl. <laughs> yeah, they were easy to grab. Uh, you know, first I got, I think I got coloring, Wonder Woman coloring books. Oh, and cool. then it was like, there's more of these and they're much more complicated. So I started picking those up and then it just kept growing. And I discovered X-Men and it just kind of kept going. Eventually I worked in a comic book store. So the- oh, awesome. Take that out it never just it never left it was always like i need more of this and i just devoured it um i went from i stayed dc for a long time until i discovered the dark phoenix saga and chris claremont and then it was oh what is that was like mind-blowing because for a long time you know with dc everything was very black and white you know good bad that's Mm -hmm. what it was then i discovered the work of chris claremont and the Dark Phoenix saga in particular, and all of a sudden I cared about the Dark Phoenix. And I'm like, why do I care about the bad guy? And he just spun me around again. I discovered Marvel a little bit more, and then down that rabbit hole I went again. And Brian Bolin covers, you know, all those kind of things. The artwork drew me in more and more because kind of went a different way. Uh, I had Mike Diodato Jr.'s run on Wonder Woman, which was amazing, Uh, his artwork. And so it just always kind of, it was always developing and I just loved comic books. So I kept going. That's awesome. Were you, were you alone in your geekdom growing up or was it easy to find a, 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 a you know, group? You no, I was pretty much alone in my geekdom. Even when I worked at the comic book store, that's where I started meeting other geeks you know, so to speak. But okay. it was just pretty much me. I, I did drag my one of my high school best friends, Jen, into it because she discovered <laughs> Gambit. Uh, she actually still to this day has the first appearance of Gambit. Nice. Uh, I made her buy that. So we oh, she got to say thank you to you because that's a pricey little book. That's worth a little bit of money now. So Jen, Jen's help. Jen likes that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I dragged her a little bit into it. And she still, you know, she still kind of keeps up on things. And she still every now and then surprises somebody when she'll just throw out a factoid. And somebody's like, how do you know that? Because she doesn't, you know, you, she doesn't like walk around spilling it. But every now and then, like if she goes to a movie and somebody says something like she's caught people off guard when they're walking out and they'll say something about the movie. And she's like, actually, that happened in this comic. And that's not the real origin. And they're just like, oh, so, you know, she's yeah. I dragged her along a little bit, but um, <laughs> they didn't really like in high school. I kept to myself about it. It wasn't like I walked around. It was like, oh, you know, and I hung out with the geeks. Nobody really knew. They knew I was a Wonder Woman fan, but they didn't know how deep I went in. Like nobody, you know, <laughs> knew that I was like, oh, and this issue, blah, blah, blah. And then she lost her powers. And thanks, Danny O'Neill. You know, nobody was like, nobody knew that about me because I didn't really think, I didn't think anybody else cared. Well, yeah, me too. Back in the era that we were in, it wasn't something, you know, you elaborate on. I found few, you, few, few few guys, you know, luckily that were into it, but we were our own little, you know, geeky, geeky group. We were the geek table, you know, I look at these guys liking this stuff. I mean, e- even at a party once, it was so funny, you know, even I, as I was older, my boys came over, we were having, a, you know, like the guys hang out at the crib, you know, beers, hanging out, listening to music, watching flicks. So, you know, me and my other uh, two homies, you know, cause he pulled out a comic book <laughs> board game. <laughs> So we go to the kitchen and we're putting this together and the other guys come like, are you effing kidding me right now? <laughs> yeah. Like, yo, do you not understand what this is? You're like, yo, you know, 
the our geekiness, we were, we were proud of it. We didn't care. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, exactly. It was always something like I was watching the X-Men cartoon on Saturday mornings. You know, like that's, I watched that or I Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Like I finally got to cosplay as Firestar this year and I've been wanting oh, to cosplay cool. her for so long. And I thought nobody will really recognize it. And people were coming up and were like, oh my God, from my childhood, I had like little 15 year olds running up to me and being like, Angelica Jenks, oh my gosh. And <laughs> reciting uh, the episode of Firestar is Born. And I'm like, how nice. do you guys know this? And they're like, well, it's on Disney Plus. And oh my God, it's my favorite. And I'm like, and I, I was just blown away that, you know, it's so out and about to where when I was growing up, that was like <laughs> in the basement. You know, I hear there. you. We were hermits. Now we're coming out those basements and seeing the sunshine. We're finally accepted. <laughs> We've got the cool table. Anyway, so all right, so let's get started on the story of the journey. And this is going to go in, in a whole kind of, you know, pro fiction order, but we got this. All right. So mm -hmm. start sharing a bit how you transition, right? Because I understand you're a licensed nurse, correct? Yes, I'm a licensed practical nurse. All oh, right. Yeah. So yeah. How do you go from a licensed nurse to becoming a fantasy? author and a cosplayer uh, i was cosplaying first for a long time so oh, that was always happening even when i was nursing all of that it was a part of your life boom that was always a part of my life um even from when i was competing as martial arts i was still cosplaying don't tell it me was you just... were going to these martial arts scaring the hell out of these competitors and katana outfits and whatnot like yo you're about to get <laughs> yeah i was i showed up to a a testing with a wonder wonder girl outfit on underneath Ooh. Yeah, yeah, I was always before it was cool to cosplay. Yeah, I was like making little things and wearing them for like confidence and stuff. So Love yeah, I was doing that before I knew what it was. But as a nurse, I had no, there was never where I was like, I'm going to be an author someday. Uh, no, I didn't think this was the path I was taking. My my journey was, I'm going to get my NP or my physician assistant certification. And I'm going to go pump some faces full of Restylane and live high on the hog. That was the goal. And then this patient came along. Um, and to this day, he's one of my best friends. So it's kind of crazy. But he just needed a distraction during IV therapy. He had Lyme disease. We treated it very aggressively. He had been there about a year, year and a half, dripping every single day. Oh, wow. Christmas, New Year's did not matter. Oh, wow. This is how they treated it. And just one day he didn't want to do it anymore. So he struck a deal with the, with the doctor because he had uprooted his life to drive five hours, drip for two, turn around and go home. And then he would drip Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. After about a month, month and a half, he was like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore, which I figured. And so the deal we struck was, you know, he was like, well, you got to keep me in this chair. So I just said, well, tell me something interesting about yourself. And in the year and a half I had known him, he had never mentioned that he was recruited by the CIA. Oh, wow. And I was like, how did you not tell me this? He's like, that yeah, was for the trends and intentions, really boring division. And I'm like, well, still, we could have found out what was in Area 51 and, you know, went down the rabbit hole of like conspiracy theories. And he was like, no, you know, I would have been disavowed if I had taken the job and left at 10 years. So he was giving me all the insight. And then I just said, and I have no idea why. I'm like, well, you know where Lyme comes from? And he's like, yeah, Plum Island. And I went down that. And I was like, no. For some reason, I said the Fae. Don't know why. I wasn't reading any books about it. I was, in, I was on the vampire kick again. And he was like, well, who are the Fae? Once again, off the top of my head, I'm like, you know, fairies. You know, and I'm like, angels that were locked out of heaven and they can't go home. 
And he was like, what? And out of my mouth comes a story. And I just start telling him about these angels that, you know, we're nature angels and they're here to get the planet ready for the creator. And one day they just can't go home. And he's like, okay. I'm like, but I was like, I know that you're some CIA agent here to find out if the cute nurse is really a fey human hybrid. And he's like, yeah, that's what I'm doing here. And I just put him into the story. And every day he sat down, I just told him another chapter. Just making it up off the top of my head. And that's how the whole thing started. So he was like, you need to go home and write this crap down. He's like, I don't know what you're doing, but go home. And I'm like, nope, I'm already in the CASPA cycle. I paid a lot of money for my prereqs. I'm going to school. And he was like, you're making a mistake. And so he just rode me every day that I saw him. And he was like, go home and write this down. I'm telling you. And I just, nope, nope, nope. And he just would, he was relentless until finally I was like, all right, I'm going home. I'm going to go write it down. Okay. You happy? And I went home and just started writing stuff down. And out of it came books. And that's where it all came from. But you know how to put a book together prior. You know, what was that learning curve like? Like, okay, you wrote all this stuff down. Now it's like, what do I do with it? <laughs> right? I had no idea. If you want to know what not to do, come talk to me. Because I did a mistake, <laughs> I made it. All right? I oh. have journals because I hand wrote it. Oh, wow. I sat down and I was like, here we go. And I just started writing. And then I'd be like, oh, people are going to probably want to know it. And I'd put on another journal. And I'd start writing. Nothing was in order. It was a mess. I have, I still keep all the journals. And so I just had all these pages. And then I'm like, well, now what do I do? So my husband's like, go to the computer and start figuring out like chapter one, chapter two. Because I didn't even have that. It wasn't like chapter one. No. So I sat there and I was like, okay. And I sat there going, chapter. And that's all it would say. It's just chapter. And I'd type it out. And that's how I kind of started editing it. And then I had the books. I wound up writing the six books all together at the same time. What? I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Wow. So they were all just files. And I'm like, this is book one. This is book two. <laughs> the, the original book was the first three books put together. And I, I fell for every scam. Everybody who was like, I'm going to help you. I'm like, oh, just pay me $800 and I'll edit it. And I'm like, oh, really? I was like, that sounds like a deal. Cool. Oh, do you want line editing or developmental editing? That there's a difference? Nope. <laughs> oh, yeah, you only paid for this. I'm like, oh, do I have to pay you more? Of course you do. You name it, I fell for the scam. Whatever it was, I fell for it. I had no idea. And then I met Cleet Barrett-Smith, who is the most amazing editor in the whole wide world. And he became my developmental editor. And he was the one who was like, Danielle, a 600-page book is not going to work for a oh, debut author. <laughs> War and <like>, peace. <laughs> right. I was literally, he was like, as cute as you are. He's like, let's divide this up a little bit. He's like, I love it, but holy cow. And that's, he was like my no. guiding light of, let's fix this a little bit. And that's mm -hmm. how it went. Let, let's show, I mean, you mean these books? Well, I got, you know. I'm going yes, these are the these are the new cover designs. Uh, the original covers featured me on the cover in cosplay, but they were limited editions. So once that printing was done, we actually moved to the typeset. Oh, yes, really? Those, so 
folks, if you find any of these books with her on the, hold on, I got to put that on the main screen. Hold on. Let me see yeah, that. So this is the first, this is the first book locked out of heaven. So as you can hey, see, look I'm at that difference. Look, perfect too. <laughs> there the, you go. Comparison. I mean, look at that. So if you find hey. these, these are the limited edition um, that it, that was that I was featured on the cover. One so piece, talk about that because people dub you apparently as the Fabio of fantasy. Oh. Hey, yes. <laughs> talk about there. That. You go. Um, what happened was when I moved to my current publisher, Four Horsemen Publications, um, the first book was typeset, and that's what was going to be released. And then uh, they saw a picture of me cosplaying as the mermaid from the book Lady Serena. And so the CEO was like, what are you doing with those pictures? I was like, I don't know. They were promo pictures for Fame Magazine. I think they're going to get used. I don't know. She's like, you own them? I said, yeah. And she goes, I've got an idea. So she came back and, and showed me the, the cover 24 hours later. She said, what do you think of this? And I'm like, I don't know. What am I doing with that? And she's like, we're going to put you on the covers for a run just because she's like, you're a cosplayer. Let's let's kind of lean into that. So um, all the covers have me featured on them. I think I don't know if you can see this, but this is book two. Let's so I cosplayed one. as all of the characters. Really? Do we have book two on the thing? Hold on. Let me let me pull up the uh, uh, Thine Eyes of Mercy. So that's yes. locked out of heaven. Thine Eyes. There we go. There we go. So let's do that comparison and look at that. Yep. Very. Yep. I mean, two. book covers are fire. But if you see the one Danielle is holding. That's the OG folks. That's the one. Yep. <laughs> That's the collect. But there I am. More. Buy them all. So if you can find it, it's those are limited edition. And once that run run was done, once that print run was finished and sold, they switched over to the original typeset. So talk about when you released your first book. What did that feel like? You know what happened, and what was your emotional state like? <laughs> it was it was crazy because it was obviously a change from, you know, you spend all this money on like going to school and being like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life to, I'm going to be an author. I'm going to create this world. I'm going to do that. And there's still that little imposter syndrome. Like, are people really going to read this? Are they going to, do they want to do this? You know, what, why would anybody read it? You kind of go through that for a little bit. Like, is, does anybody want to read my book? So there was, there's still to this day, seven books later, there's still this attitude of like, do I really do this? Does, do people want to read my stuff? And I think what was crazy was um, I was in GalaxyCon Raleigh at the pop-up bookshop, which I run with my partner, C.R. Rice, another author. And I met this little girl, Ella, and she was telling me, oh, you know, I'm, I think I want to write. I don't know. And she's probably about five years old, six years old. And she uh, purchased my novella, my little dragon novella. And she picks it up and she's telling me how she writes. Um, she thinks a lot in her imagination. And I'm like, well, that's how I started writing. And then she picks the book up and she looks at me. She's like, you mean I could write from my imagination? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, no, 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 hold on a second. And she's like trying to grasp that that's what I do. And she's like, so you write what's in your head. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, mom get me the book and so her mother's like okay yeah you can like okay is the book appropriate i'm like yeah fire ice is totally appropriate kid can read she's like yeah she read harry potter i'm like yep no problem the next day the kid comes back dressed as princess ella of clayton she's now a (laughs) fae she wants to be an author 
and she's the cutest thing ever. And I have to say hello to Ella because uh, I know she'll watch this back later. And it was just like, that was when I'm like, oh, what I do, it's not brain surgery, but it does matter. Like so you never know who, who you can touch. And that was when I'm like, oh, I do this for a living. Like, this is not just me sitting in my office with a book with my name on it, thinking like, who reads this crap? You know, there's somebody out there that will go and buy it and it could like make an impression on them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a, a niece in Florida that, you know, she writes from her imagination. I'm like telling her parents, oh my God. I mean, you know, listen to me. You don't want to work with me, but she got something special. You know, so let's further than, 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 you know, excite, especially our young female listeners, because again, we mentioned briefly martial arts, right? So, Talk about how your martial arts training has influenced your writing style and the themes in your fantasy series. And how did you even get into martial arts other than watching Cato kick butt on Green Hornet? <laughs> uh, it was a joke, to be honest. Um, I just wanted to go to New Orleans with my friend Jen, and my dad made me a deal. He's like, get your yellow belts, I'll let you go, because he was not about to let his 18-year-old daughter loose in New Orleans alone. So um, he didn't think I would actually you know, do it. Fat Tuesday, absolutely not. <laughs> and I wasn't even going during that. I just wanted to go on the Anne Rice like vampire tour. Okay. That was what I wanted to do. Because I was yeah, us daddies to... don't think that way. <laughs> yeah, he was just like, no. And his thought was she'll never get it. So I just walked into my gym and they happened to have a taekwondo class that you know walked in and was like, I'm gonna go take a lesson. And that was it. And my instructor saw something in me. I drove him absolutely crazy. I gave that man all his gray hair. He did not have a gray hair when I started. When I left him 10 years later, his whole head was gray. Uh, um, but he saw something in me. I only paid for my first month. After that, I never paid for another lesson. Wow. Um, I was a pain in the neck. I went in makeup, crop top, chewing gum, you name it. Oh, Once again, breaking all the rules. <laughs> oh, I broke every. I stood in front of the black belt. You were like a, a little young, tis a rock, rock. Not, 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 not giving a crap. <laughs> oh, I was everything. But he, he took me in. He made my life hell. I made his life hell. Uh, and the same thing when I competed, my first tournament, he didn't tell me I was competing. He just told me get in the car. We were going to um, get some cleaning supplies, and then he dropped me off at a tournament. He was yeah. like, "Oh, by the way," because we pulled up to a school, and I'm like. A middle school, and I saw these karate people, and I'm like, what are we doing? He's like, I signed you up for a tournament today. Guess what? You're competing. Forms and fighting. Get out of the car. And it was a tuck and roll, and he just kicked me out. Oh, damn. Mr. Miyagi, he was not. <laughs> he, was, he was very much into just baptism by fire, and that's what he did. And I competed. I Yo. did my first tournament. Loved it. Is that what inspired that fiery hair color? You know, because I think uh, that, I think that's how we do it in New York. We learn by fire. We are thrown into situations. You know, no choice. This, this is Puerto Rican. My grandmother. Uh, hey, Puerto <laughs> My grandma's from Old San Juan. Uh, and I wanted to do that J-Lo like blonde thing. And even when I was a little girl, I always wanted to have like the sun-kissed blonde. So I would dump sun in, in my hair and I would get what I what my grandmother would call Puerto Rican red and I could never get blonde and she finally showed me pictures of her when she was younger in Puerto Rico and she had red hair and she said you're only going to get Puerto Rican Puerto Rican red she's like because that's your heritage and so finally as I got older I was like I'm just going to lean into it 
They wanted that. So this is what I got. Sora so. Cultura, that's right. Love it, love it. That's amazing. All right, so, all right, so you mentioned exploring maybe the underbelly of the publishing industry in your journey, right? You know, going mm -hmm. through what you've gone through. So share some insights, what you discovered during your journey now as an author, you know, with, with so many titles, you know, out. Um, biggest thing I've learned is you can't write by committee. Write the story that you want to read. Do not write what you think everybody wants to read. You can't sit there and say, I'm going to be the next Twilight. I'm going to be the next Game of Thrones. It doesn't work. Write whatever authentic story you want to tell. That's the first thing. Get a good editor. Understand there are line editors. There are developmental editors. There are different types, but always pay for the edit. And regardless, if you think they're doing their job, get someone to check their work. Not your friend, not your grandmother. Get somebody to check their work. You need to trust somebody to look. Uh, don't delegate it. I made that mistake. Uh, do not go into business with your friend in the sense that, you know, somebody who's like, oh, I'll publish your book for you. I'll do mm. Either do it yourself and don't worry if you query and the big publishers don't want your book. That doesn't mean your book won't find an audience. Oh, There's an audience for everything. Believe me. Uh, as somebody who sells at conventions, I hear people come up and they want stories that they're like, do you have a story about a gay barista who lives in, you know, Nashville, Tennessee, and is broken up three times with this one, but really wants to sleep with Chupacabra? And I'm <laughs> like, what? And I'm like, okay, you want to write that story. There, people want a lot of different things. So if yeah. you have a story. Right. Believe me, there's an audience for it. You're right. I'm surprised. Um, Danielle, say repeat that for everybody that did not hear that. Repeat those that. in the back. Write the story. There is an audience for it. Just write it. You can't edit what's not on paper. So get it out. It's so it's so true because you'd be again. Look at the things that become hits at times, right? Doesn't it blow your mind? Why? Because somebody did something different. Somebody took a chance and said, oh, snap. Wow. You know, so sometimes, you know, do it. You something. never know. You know, just you never know. Just, just try it, but don't get too hyped up into your Amazon ranking. You know, oh, I'm number 4,000 in this. I'm number 1 million. You don't get stuck on numbers. Absolutely. Just, just write and keep writing. The only thing is, like, if you do enter in with a publisher, what happens to all of us is that if you've queried and you've gotten rejected, the first person who says, I like you, it's like you're at a dance and nobody's danced with you. So the first person asks you, you're like, yes, and you're just ready to dance with them. Still have a the lawyer look at it. <laughs> Don't jump. Trust me on this. Uh, make sure you understand what royalties are. Sometimes it's better to just publish on your own. Oof. And I know that there's a stigma to self-publishing. It's not that bad. To be honest, if I had it to do all over again, I probably would have self-published oh, wow. because of the control. And I'm just Creative control. control. Absolutely. Why not? That's why I love having yeah. a website. And I laugh when Google tells me, oh, because, uh, you know, I do Google Ads with them. Sometimes they tell me, hey, you have a violation on your website, according to us, you know. Violation according to who? It's my website. Get out of here with your nonsense. It's just, you know, and when it comes to social media, you don't have to be an expert on every platform. Pick one, mm -hmm. learn it, and stick with that. Don't worry about, well, everybody's on TikTok right now, and BookTok's the way to go, and, you know, 
they all come back around. Just pick one. If, look, if you like Instagram and that's what you stick with, stick with Instagram. Don't, yeah. don't worry about jumping from side to side. Agreed. You know, just pick right. one, stick with it. Just know your voice matters. Work that audience. Work that audience on that platform. Absolutely. Don't listen. It. And, and like I tell everybody, if you're having a bad experience in a social platform, it's not the social platform. It's you clicking on things that you shouldn't be clicking on, allowing the algorithm to feed you the nonsense. So stop clicking on crap, click on the stuff that you enjoy, and trust you me, that algorithm would be very pleasurable for you on social media. Trust me. Yeah, just stick to it. And then uh, Goodreads, yes, you have to have a Goodreads profile as an author. But Ooh, how did remember, you discover that about Goodreads? Goodreads, because that's where you're going to get your reviews. Goodreads is picked up by Amazon. You need reviews. So Goodreads is, for example, just for people to understand simply, is like a, a Yelp. It's a review um, forum. So your book will be listed. It'll give your ratings. And then people can go on and list the reviews. The problem okay. with it is, think about if you were walking down the street and you could hear what everybody thought about your outfit. It's kind of the equivalent to everybody listing, <laughs> listening. I, I, oh, yeah. Sometimes you don't want to hear some nonsense that's going to, I hear you. And everybody's anonymous. Of course. So you, you can't take it personally. And believe me, I do. I do. And there is no um, etiquette for star reviews. So it's one to five. So you can get somebody who's like one star review. I just couldn't get into the book. Now, by most standards, everybody knows that's not a one star review. That's neutral. Most of us would be like, Okay, don't even post anything. Absolutely. But you get everybody. A review is supposed to be constructive. Explain to the author that may see this. Hey, great effort, but this is, you know, these are my questions. Maybe this is why I wasn't digging it. Allow you the opportunity to explain the story, you know, if you even want to respond, even, you know? Um, you can respond. Like they actually allow you to respond on Goodreads. Here's the thing I don't respond because I'm not going to go tit for tat with you. And it's like my it's dad it's says. Good. You know, um, if I argue with a dumb person, eventually nobody can tell who's dumb. So I, you know. I don't think nobody want to argue you, Danielle. I mean, with your skills, I think you're the last person anybody wants to beef with. You know, you're there in your cosplay and your warrior outfit. Got, got, you know, some homie come across saying some nonsense. You know, <laughs> I've stopped a couple live panels by standing up and going, um, "I'm a silver medalist in wushu. Does anybody want to continue this?" And I've actually had people go. And sit back down. So Ooh. I've done that once or twice and like reminded them, do you want to keep going? But when it comes to Goodreads, the thing is, is you just have to remember everybody's got an opinion. Everybody can hide behind a keyboard. Yeah. Sometimes when you leave a review, the best thing is, is if you're going to really leave a one star, first of all, think why you're leaving a one star. Does anybody really care? But if you're so determined to leave it, because the book... If you're leaving a one star, that book has to offend you on so many levels. <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying? The world no. Okay? Be ready to back that up. Because your one star, that book might be somebody's favorite book in the whole wide world. So be ready to back that crap up. Yeah. Really. Um, but also, if it's a one star, at the end of the day, unless it's spewing hate or something really offensive, then that's a different story. You need to remember some author sat down. And poured their heart and soul in that thing. 100. You really want to be the one to be like one star, hated it. Some people are just very miserable and unhappy with their lives. So they feel let, let me just hurt someone else to share in my misery. 
Well, listen again, be constructive, folks. You know, listen, I want to say thank you to you because there you are out there putting your stories, you know, and a piece of yourself and sharing that publicly with the world. Thank you because that, that is brave. That is bold, you know, to share and everything. Like you say, then you got to deal sometimes with people like that. So, you know, and I'm sorry I just had to a, deal with that. I just <laughs> had a one-star review in the first place. I just couldn't get into it. And I'm like, why are you telling me? That doesn't help me. If you're like, hey, the pacing was slow or this, okay, yes. but it was also book one. I can't go back and redo it. That's the thing that people forget with these books. We can't go back and re-edit and be like, oh, you didn't like that? Let me go back and redo. I can't do anything. Listen, and then- let's, make them feel, let's make them feel bad, Danielle, right? You know, make them feel a little guilty because, you know, your series features a character named Los, which is inspired apparently by your Yorkie, Carlos. So how do those personal connections and experience influence that character development? You see, folks, this comes from personal stuff, too, you know? Fantasy books are still personal. People think that only nonfiction is personal. Fantasy books are still personal. Um, Carlos is my little Yorkie. He is the greatest little soul in the whole wide world. I love him tremendously. Uh, Most of the dragons in my books are actually either pets I used to have, my friend's pets, or my dogs, uh, Carlos and Penelope. Penelope, you meet later on in the series, Lady Penelope, but Carlos is my Yorkie. Uh, he became Carlos the Chameleon Dragon because mm. he doesn't like baths. And so one day I took this. You know, y'all falls on us. That's what happens in your life, folks. That's okay. <laughs> oh, sorry, we're getting a storm here. So I apologize. And you're back, folks. Oh, there we are. There we are. Um, so he took off once I took his collar and he ran, tipped over his toy bin, buried himself in. And so for 10 minutes, we couldn't find him. And I was like, did he get out? Did something happen? <laughs> and my little Penelope is staring at the toy bin and looking at us like, you idiots. All of a sudden, <laughs> we turn and look. Carlos has pulled an E.T. And for those of you who did not see the movie E.T., there's a scene where E.T. is hiding in Gertie's toy bin, just oh, like a stuffed man. animal. Carlos is doing that, staring straight ahead. Penelope has found him. She's looking at him and looking at us like, yo, do you... Are you not seeing what I'm seeing? <laughs> yeah, she's staring at us like... So finally, I get down and I'm looking at Carlos. I'm looking right at him and he is not blinking. He is staring straight ahead. And I'm like, yo, what's up? And then he kind of looks at me. And then goes back to staring straight ahead. I'm like, <laughs> and that's when he you became Los the Chameleon Dragon because he blended I, in perfect. I love that. I love that. So before this storm gets any crazier, I just want to say thank you for joining us now. I've been sharing off, obviously, the social media of yours here at Danielle on Instagram, where you know you could check her out at the birth of the Fae, F A E underscore novel, and also on YouTube. All right, yes. so talk about what you do on YouTube before we go. What's that all about? What's your popping Um YouTube, you can actually see uh, past interviews. You can see some of my cosplay work that I've done. And you can also see where one of my dragon illustrators, Pandy Van, who's amazing, you can see her actual drawings of the dragons done in um, time-lapse and check out what's going on there. And then soon enough, we will have uh, my friend C.R. Rice. Some of our little exploits will be up there. Because CR and I will be doing a podcast, a novel beginning, where we're going to talk about what it's like to be authors, female authors, no less, you know, kind of combining forces, wonder twins, 
doing things like that. The pop-up bookshop, all that stuff will be up there as well. So which one of the one that twins? You're not the one that turns to water all the time. Uh, no, sometimes I do. If I cry, yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> I guess I could be. You, know, you never know. Hey, but, hey, you know, it's kind awesome. of fun. It's just what um, when two women get together and kind of collaborate, what can happen? Yeah, absolutely. Greatness could happen. Absolute greatness. That's what could happen. Greatness, shenanigans, what it is. all mm-hmm. that cool stuff. And then um, we have the pop-up bookshop on all the Galaxy Con circuits. So whether you're in Austin, which is um, September 1st. Yeah, you stole my next question. You are my There you go. You too? see, I'm on it, man. Love it. I'm so talk it. about where you're going to be at. So every Galaxy Con and where else? Everything. We need to know. All right. So I'll be at Galaxy Con Austin, September 1st. I will be at Nightmare Weekend, which is part of GalaxyCon as well, in Richmond in October. Uh, Then I will be back at GalaxyCon in Columbus, Ohio, the first week of December. And I will be there with the pop-up bookshop with C.R. Rice and a bunch of other authors we bring. And I'll be selling books. I will be in cosplay, signing books, doing all that great stuff. And if you follow GalaxyCon, you see that they have some amazing celebrities. Uh, For Austin, they have David Boreanaz going from Buffy and Mike Tyson. Oh, word. Cool. Wait, wait, is so, he taking his weed over there too? Because that's what he's trying to sell nowadays. <laughs> I know. He's, he's hawking a bunch of stuff, but I just want to get a boxing glove signed. So there's hey. always somebody cool coming. Um, I believe Charlie Cox is going in December. Um, cool. Grant Gustin is going. Stephen Amell, the whole CW crew will be there. So Will he or will he? Because there's a lot of stuff that he said that he shouldn't have said. So I don't know where they have him. <laughs> no, they're still having him because I think he's cleaned it up now. He's on the picket line. Oh, okay. So now he went, yeah, he, says, he went back. He kind of cleaned that up a little bit. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did one of those, yeah, I'm sorry kind of things. But I know Grant Gustin will be there. Awesome. So, you know, yeah, all those guys will be there and Daredevil and, and all that. So that's pretty cool. And that'll be in December in Columbus, Ohio. Excellent, excellent, excellent. We can't wait to see you there. And lastly, you know, we've been talking about how Awesome, your books are all little sort of some gorgeous covers, you know, the amazing inspiration. If people want to buy this line of books, like right now, where, where do they got to go? If they want to go right now, you can always go to Amazon, barnesandnobles.com, target.com, bookshop.org, because a portion Ooh, of bookshop.org goes to your local bookshops, your mom and pop shops. So I know some people are like, eh, I don't want to support Amazon anymore. I feel you. You can always go there. You can check Audible. I have audiobooks as well. And you can check that out. And pretty much if you just Google Birth of the Fae, the books will pop up and you can find whatever you're looking for. And then I have a novella coming out in June that ties up the entire volume one. And I'm already getting ready for volume two. And uh, maybe there's a certain X-Men great writer who said that he'd like to write the forward for volume two. Oh, I know you've been teasing us. You know, a big shout out to Podmatch, you know, and the other out, you know, Alex and Filippo over there from Podmatch. You know, you know, this is a personal endorsement because what a wonderful platform. This is how I got to connect with Danielle. So even whether you're a podcaster or someone looking to be interviewed, check out Podmatch.com. And I'm doing this out of love. I'm not getting paid for this, folks. I'm just telling you, it's just it's so amazing the people I get to speak to like that. You see what she does? Martial artist, cosplayer, nurse, author. Two life superhero right here. My goodness. What? Where am I? I'm digging it. Thank you so much. No, thank you for your time. And again, as I said before, for just sharing in your your journey, your your story. 
you know, sharing your imagination with us and bringing joy to the world, you know, taking us away into a fantasy world. It does mean a lot. And, you know, I, I find creators like you, you know, to be very special. And, you know, we need more of the arts out there and creative people, you know, to go ahead and keep exploring their imagination and sharing it with us. So, again, thank you for that. And folks, thank you for tuning into the app, the Al Mega Podcast. You know what it is. Check out my extended family also at Comic Crusaders, ComicCrusaders.com. And we do podcasts there as well, you know, talking about comic books and, and, and film and a whole bunch of good stuff. Check out the Undercover Kids family, also talking comics, TV shows, movies, you know, amazing interviews. You, listen, we cover it all. Whether it's pop culture, technology, music, and more, we got it, all right? Danielle, much love, thank you. Y mi gente, thank you. Hasta la próxima. Wepa, stay motivated, baby.